Everybody wants to know, what is Jackson State going to look like in 2023? And for that reason, their first two to three games are going to be under a huge microscope. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on family welcome back to another episode of the locked on hbcu podcast your number one daily one-stop shop for everything hbcu athletics monday through friday part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor and current contributing writer at usa today's saints wire and i appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, I truly do appreciate it. But remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S, ends with an S. Today's episode will end with Tuskegee Women's Basketball announcing their new head coach. And trust me, she has some huge shoes to fill. But we'll start off with a double feature, a two-part about T.C. Taylor and Jackson State in the middle. We'll discuss why you don't need to compare T.C. Taylor to anybody, but especially not Deion Sanders. I don't think it's fair to him. But at the beginning, we'll focus more on the team itself, and that's Jackson State, because it's the question that everybody wants to know. It's the storyline that everybody will be watching. But specifically in those first two weeks, Jackson State will be under a huge microscope. We can kind of extend it to week three, but especially those first two games. Now, last week. I said that the SWAC was not disrespecting Jackson State by predicting a second-place finish in the SWAC East. I said that the SWAC was not disrespecting Jackson State with the lack of all SWAC selections, right? They just don't know. They're unsure about what they are going to be. And I thought it was reflected by how the all-SWAC preseason team and how the preseason polls went. Jackson State fans, I don't think they thought that was fair. I think they still felt it was disrespectful. And I felt as if that was the case because they continue to populate my comments with, well, we've done it before. We've done this. Look at the FCS. You know, I get it. I get it. I hear you. The reason I didn't really respond is because I knew I was going to respond today. I knew that this was going to be my Tuesday episode where we kind of elaborated on that point a little bit, a little bit. That's not the intention. But kind of indirectly, this is an elaboration on last week's point about them not being disrespected and why this is a show me type of year. This is a prove it. This is this is a prove it type of year. This is a we don't really know what you're going to be. So let's see what you are type of year. And that process is going to be extremely based on the first two to three weeks. I kind of put Southern in there at week three because you can make an argument that Southern and FAMU being SWAC championship or SWAC conference games could have a huge impact on them. So that could be a thing that decides their, their season. If they have two losses early, that could be a big deal. But I'm more so talking about the conversation. You can start to form a concrete opinion about Jackson State after the first two weeks. Start to. Don't let the cement dry. But you can start to 
form a concrete opinion. You can be more informed about who they are and not simply go off of projections. Those first two games were South Carolina State and the SWAC MEAC Challenge, SWAC MEAC Challenge, excuse me. And then you have Florida AM in the Orange Blossom Classic. Those are peers. A lot of times we don't even really judge the out of conference games until, you know, it gets to midway through the year because we don't know who you are. We don't because you're going against teams that are group of five teams that are power five, right? Those aren't games that we really use to test and see who you are. Now, if you play well in those cool, but the reason that I think South Carolina state is different is because that is a peer. That is a MEAC game. That is somebody who is essentially similar to a conference game for you, an HBCU conference versus an HBCU conference. If you're playing a team like Ole Miss, you could upset Ole Miss, but it's an upset because no one really thinks you're going to win. This is the game that if you are a talented squad, if you are a high-level squad, this is a winnable game. It doesn't mean you're going to win it because FAMU is a talented squad. This is a team that is many people's favorite to win the SWAC. So you could be a good team and still lose to FAMU, but you have to show something. You have to show something. And, and listen, I'm very fair. There's going to be people who, if you don't win, even if you lose by one point, they're going to terrorize you. But me, I'm just trying to evaluate what kind of team we have on our hands this year. And I think that when you go against a team like South Carolina State, when you're going against a team like FAMU, even Southern to a certain extent, I'll finally know how I should view you, what I should look at as your strengths, what I should look at as your weaknesses. I can finally form an informed opinion instead of just sitting here saying like, well, you got these transfers and I think they might be good. You got a, a recruiting class. That recruiting class, it goes out the window. Once you get into actually playing, because now we know how that recruiting class actually performs. And the reason I highlight the first two and kind of throw Southern in there at three is because the Swag Act Challenge is on national television. It's the only HBCU game you'll be watching. Like, let's be real. That's going to be the only one you're going to be watching. It might be the only one scheduled. And if it's not, it's the only one worth watching. And then you have the Orange Blossom Classic, which is on a Sunday. And there's not going to be any other HBCU games that day. These are both on national television. And with everybody wanting to know what Jackson State is going to look like, you have easy opportunity. There's nothing really blocking you from seeing how JSU performs against South Carolina State and how they perform against FAMU. So with the microscope and everybody watching, this is when you have the chance to form an opinion, not just win losses. You can watch these games. Now, once you get to Southern, you can watch that game, but there's other things you might want to do. This is a pivotal time. Now, directly to Jackson State fans. I understand you're saying that you've done this before. I understand that you're saying that Deion Sanders did the same exact thing, a first-time head coach, a complete roster overhaul. Well, guess what? That was a surprise. And it should be a surprise again. There's many things that have been done, but it doesn't mean they're frequently done. And every time that they are done, it gets a very similar reaction. I'm not putting the house down saying that T.C. Taylor is going to go undefeated. I'm not. That's that's just, I don't think that's fair. I don't even think that should be the bar, but we'll get to that in a second. But my thing about that is, yes, Deion Sanders was very successful. He came in as a first-time head coach, and there's a lot of parallels to how this season or this offseason, the beginning of this season, will go as opposed to when fam or when Deion Sanders came in. I get it. 100%, I understand. But if Jackson State struggles in the first two, three weeks, that shouldn't be any surprise. 
It's not a foregone conclusion that you just come in and you'll dominate. It's not a foregone conclusion that you'll come in and struggle. We're just trying to sit here and wait and see. Now, if you think the fact that I'm not ready to crown Jackson State is hating, then I guess I'm a hater. But to me, that's an extremely fair take to say that I just need to wait and see because there's too many moving parts. And, and honestly, if there's anything, it's too natural or it's too neutral. If anything, it's too neutral. But I'm sitting here saying that you lost 60 to 70 players, 11 of your 12 all swack players, and you have a first-time head coach. Yeah, I get it. You've done something similar and you had success. I was surprised then. And if you have success again, I'll be surprised again. That's just how it goes. I think it's fully possible, but I'm not betting anything. But anyway, those comments at the end of the day, to me, are unfair to T.C. Taylor to continue to compare him to, uh, to Deion Sanders. And I'll explore a little bit deeper on why that's the case, because I do think that needs a little bit of explanation as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And just like for a championship team, you need to have the right fit. Doesn't matter what you drive, you need to make sure you have the right fit. So next time that you need parts and accessories, you have to go to eBay Motors. That's the only place that it makes sense. You enter your car into the My Garage section, and now every part that is fitting your car is going to be there. And every part that does not fit your car, no longer there. You can't see it. You have over 120 million parts on there, so I refuse to believe that if you need something, you can't find it. I just It's just difficult for me to believe. So, like in sports, confidence is the name of the game, and I believe that eBay Motors gives you the most confidence when trying to fix up your car. So remember, this is only eligible for U.S. customers, but go to eBay Motors, get the guaranteed right fit. If it doesn't fit, they will send it back. So eBay Motors, let's ride. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day, every dayers. Remember, we are here every day, Monday through Friday, five days a week, yet again. And on tomorrow's episode, we'll be discussing the confidence that Texas Southern displayed at SWAC Media Day because this is something that, honest and truly, it makes TSU have a different aura about themselves as opposed to the previous seasons. But right now, we're talking about different auras around the previous seasons. That's kind of the theme for T.C. Taylor and Jackson State. But I'm going to tell you what. When you're talking about T.C. Taylor, do not compare him to anyone, but especially not Deion Sanders. I don't believe that is fair. Let me get a quick Deion Sanders PSA out there. If you are one of the people who are invested in seeing Deion Sanders lose at Colorado, Fine by me. Just don't bring that to my comments. Don't bring that to my Twitter because I don't care. Same really goes if you're just super invested in seeing him succeed. I watch ESPN. I don't need you to tune in or to, to, to text me or DM me or leave comments and tell me how Deion Sanders is doing. I promise you, I will know how he's doing at Colorado. I'm not invested in that on this platform. I'm invested in that as a college football fan. But on Locked on HBCU, when we discuss Jackson State players and we discuss Jackson State coaches, we're not discussing the people who used to be here. 
We're not discussing the players who used to be here or the coaches who used to be here. They've moved on. That's not the focus of this platform. PSA over. Now, I do want to discuss his time briefly at Jackson State. And unless something else happens where he's actually related to JSU, I don't think we're going to, you know, I don't think we're going to bring him up again, honestly. This will probably be the last time. Deion Sanders was a first-time head coach and came in and absolutely dominated. And I kind of hinted to this at the end of the episode or the end of the segment just a couple of minutes ago. Comparing him to T.C. Taylor is unfair to T.C. Taylor. I believe it puts an unfair standard on Taylor. Yes, you want to always shoot for success, and I'm not telling you not to do that. That would be so pessimistic. That will fly in the face of what it means to be a fan. And y'all have built a certain amount of success to where I understand you want to continue that. Everybody does. I'm a Texas Southern fan. You think I don't want to go undefeated? We haven't sniffed undefeated. But you, you don't think I want to go undefeated? You don't think I, I think about that and let that as the goal, the thing that we're trying to reach? But it's not the bar. And I think that's the important part, is it's not the bar because I've heard many people say Deion Sanders did it so T.C. Taylor can do it. Once again, things happen. Doesn't mean they always frequently happen. It's hard to dominate. And especially hard to dominate in a situation you're in. But if you're telling me Deion Sanders did it so T.C. Taylor can do it, I don't think I'm taking these comments too literal because they find it disrespectful. Not they, but Jackson State fans find it disrespectful that they were voted number two in the SWAC East. Find it very talented fam, you, by the way. But they're voted number two. They find it very disrespectful that that is the case. So to me, it sounds like winning the SWAC is the bar. It's not the goal. It's the bar. It's a, if you don't do that, you failed. With all due respect, I don't believe that Jackson State is in a championship or bust mode. So if you're not in a either we win it all or it was a failure of a season, we have to look at what the bar is. There's a peak and there's a bar. See, with the bar of success, it's you reach this metric, it was a good season. You, I feel like this was a success. But you can always go above the bar. You can always exceed the expectations. The Kansas City Chiefs cannot exceed expectations in 2023. They probably won't be able to exceed expectations until Mahomes leaves, right? Last year might have been the one, not until Mahomes leaves, as in, unless he wants to come to the Saints. But he isn't. He's going to stay a chief for the rest of his life. But um, until Mahomes retires. But the Chiefs in 2022, when people thought they were going to break down because Tyreek Hill left, yeah, you could probably exceed expectations. But once you become a championship or bust team, there's no exceeding expectations. And trust me. Jackson State has room to exceed expectations. Nobody really confidently knows what they're going to be. And I know fans don't want to hear that. It's nothing wrong with believing in your team. I would never tell you not to do that. But as an outsider, and I wish that you could really take yourself out and become an outsider as well. But as an outsider, I'm looking at 60 to 70 players from your last regime gone. I'm looking at the majority of your all swag players gone. I'm looking at a bunch of transfers who I just need to see in action. I'm not expecting you to dominate, but here's the thing. When I take those comments literally, because second place seems to be disrespectful to fans. When I take those comments, literally, it tells me that if TC doesn't do what Dion does, they might look at it as a failure. I'm telling you here now, being second place in the SWAC East is not a failure. And I think when the season is over, if that happens, 
I don't think fans will look at the season as a failure, but if you ask them today at the beginning of August, I think they might find that to be, oh, that's a failure. That, nah, that, that ain't the year we going to have. I, I just don't think that it's a, a fair standard to a first-year head coach who might still need to get his legs underneath him at the beginning of the season. Like, reasonably, that's that could happen. So, I don't think it's fair. Um, then for non-Jackson State fans, JSU isn't going to be as present on social media from, like, official sources, I don't believe. Official sources, national media sources. The fan base will probably still be as active and chirping and whatnot. But I don't believe that the JSU platform will be. See, T.C. Taylor is not as vocal as Deion Sanders. He said it before. The thing about Prime is he was by far the biggest star at Jackson. It wasn't even close. Deion Sanders has more national marketability than probably 90% of collegiate football players. He's primetime. Even if he didn't want to be the star of the show, which he did, but even if he didn't want to be the star of the show, he was going to be the star of the show. It's just who he is. He has a nat natural charisma. He has a, a natural magnetism about himself. T.C. Taylor might be a charismatic guy, but he's not as vocal, and it doesn't seem like he wants to be in front of the camera at all. I think Dion welcomed that. And I'm not saying that's a negative thing. That's just a thing. It's just a, a part of what he wanted to do. T.C. Taylor and Jackson State just had a documentary, and he was saying how it was all about the, uh, about the, about the players. An unarmored documentary that was all about the players and about himself. That's just the clear difference of who they are, right? But because there's no Deion Sanders, you're definitely not going to see as much national, I don't think. And then also, Deion Sanders is just more marketable. So it's going to be more around when you put the camera on him as opposed to if you put the camera on a guy like DJ Stevens, Isaiah Guthrie. Like, it's just, it's, it's not going to be the same visibility. It just isn't. They could lose two games, and people are going to be killing them. Oh, man, X, Y, and Z. Woo, 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 woo. I just think they're going to be different. Now, if they go undefeated, no one's going to say anything. They're just going to oh, the social media press isn't, isn't the same. But if you lose a couple games, people are going to be killing them. Don't, I don't even know why I'm wasting my breath. People are going to kill Jackson State if they want to kill Jackson State, no matter what. But to me, I just think overall, comparing T.C. Taylor and Deion Sanders, especially the beginning of their tenure, is so unfair. Because if he doesn't do the same thing that Deion Sanders does, it is completely not a failure. It's probably more of what normal first-year coaches do. But at the end of the day, this is the true reason I feel like comparing T.C. Taylor to Deion Sanders is unfair. This is the T.C. Taylor era of Jackson State, not the post-Deion Sanders era of Jackson State. It's important that we treat it as such. Now, moving forward, we're going to go into a new era at Tuskegee women's basketball, and it is the Chiante Wester era. Moving on from an undefeated season, now you have some huge shoes to fill, and we'll look into that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Chiante Wester has huge shoes to, full, to fill at Tuskegee. 
because she has just been announced as the new women's basketball head coach, and she's entering a program that went undefeated. This is much better than what she walked into at Livingstone. But um, Chiante Wester, Wester, excuse me, makes her way to Tuskegee, and it's a return to the SEAC, where she actually played ball at at Shaw. But she's really no stranger to HBCUs. You look at what she did as far as playing at Shaw. She also graduated from Shaw. She ended up getting her master's from Virginia State. So she's played and been educated at HBCUs, but then also the coaching, too. Her coaching resume is HBCU. For her since the year 2000, college basketball and HBCUs have been as connected as Siamese twins. They ain't going nowhere. Every every experience she's had since 2000 with college basketball has been connected to an HBCU. She transfers to Shaw in 2000 until 2002. And then when you look at her coaching resume, she hasn't coached anywhere other than an HBCU. She started off as a 13-year assistant at Virginia State. She actually was coaching under her former coach. So you have that connection. She was coaching in the YMCA and things before that. Um, I think I think maybe high school ball, but nothing collegiate. Nothing collegiate. And when you're looking at her experience at Virginia State, you know what I like in coaches. I love a winning resume. It doesn't have to be as a head coach, but I just love you being a part of a winning program. And I'll say it again. I'll say it every single time that I've mentioned this. The reason I find value in that is because now I know you've been around winning. Part of winning is knowing how to win, and you know how to win when you've been when you've been around winning. It doesn't matter if you were the person leading the winning charge, but if you've been around winning, you know how those things go. You see the habits, you see the the coaching methods, you see the dedication, you see the the weight room, you see the the diet plan, you see all of these things that go into building a winning program. And she was a part of that. Five divisional championships, one conference championship four appearances in the NCAA tournament. She knows how to win. She's been around that, right? And then also, another thing that I love, another thing that I love is when you've been a part of the recruitment process. If you were some sort of recruiting coordinator, or that tells me that you have enough charisma and magnetism about yourself to walk into a room and say, this is why your son or daughter, I guess in her situation, just daughters, but it shows why you can walk into a room and say, your daughter needs to come here and play for us. And now she'll be able to say, your daughter needs to come in and play for me. She did that at Livingstone, and they had kind of a Cinderella-type year in 2022, the season that ended in 2022, not this previous year that started there. So a year ago, they had this kind of Cinderella team where they went 4-12 and in the conference, but then they ended up making it to the conference championship game. And there's some value in that. You know, it doesn't always reflect, but it didn't really get a chance to reflect for her because, or I should say repeat, but didn't really get a chance because she was actually fired after that year, after an investigation and said she was she was a part of toxic bullying at Livingstone. And I hate to be a rain on parade guy. I feel like maybe I've done that the last two segments, not on purpose or anything, but you kind of have to mention that. And here's the thing about it is oftentimes that sticks with you. But this was her first head coaching opportunity. So there's a chance that we know she didn't do it at multiple programs because you were only a head coach at one. So we know you didn't do it at multiple programs. Um, maybe you could say she was a part of that at living, I mean, at um at Virginia State. 
but no rumors of that. It just seems to be a Shaw thing or a, a, a Livingstone thing. Well, if you get caught doing that in your first place, and there's no track record of you doing it outside of that, you still have room to change yourself. You still have room to, to shape the image and learn from what you did. It's not like, oh, that's just a part of who she is. And that's why she was able to quickly get another job. And she got a job at a premium shop, right? Like, it's not as if they said, okay, I understand you did. Let's use Ime Udoka. Completely different situation. But he got caught up in a scandal. And now he's with the Rockets, a rebuilding team. This is much more like Doc Rivers, where you get fired for whatever reason. For him, it just so happened to be he couldn't finish the job. And you, you go to a team like the 76ers, who are a, comp, are a competition team. That's what the, a competitive team. That's what this is. She went from Livingstone to Tuskegee. And it's a much better job, but it's a whole lot bigger shoes to fill because you're walking into an undefeated program. You're walking into a team who you are probably going to have to, you know, reload. But overall, this team is prepared for you to come in and compete. So we're going to be watching. They know, oh, we'll give her a couple of years. No, nah, you just need to not mess it up in them first couple of years. And then maybe you can build up to be in a championship team again. But you need to be a no less than 500 type of team. And I know you got some new change, but when you come in from an undefeated year, this is college ball and this is basketball. You're going to have a lot of turnover every single year. We'll see what she can do. It'll be fun to watch. But speaking of fun to watch, I hope this was very fun to watch for you. And on tomorrow's episode, where we talk about the confidence that TSU, especially Andrew Body, was exuding on that Swag Media stage. I hope that's fun for you as well. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.